Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. On the mic today, we have Outland Trophy winner, member of the College Football Hall of Fame, 12-time Pro Bowler, NFL Hall of Famer, and 2003 Walter Payton Man of the Year, Will Shields. Will's life is marked by discipline and consistency. We discuss the importance of always extending kindness to someone because you never know what that will do for them. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to Write It Down. Joining us today is Outland Trophy winner, member of the College Football Hall of Fame, 12-time Pro Bowler, NFL Hall of Famer, and 2003 Walter Payton Man of the Year, Will Shields. Will, welcome to Write It Down. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Super exciting. I mean, that is quite the list of accolades, not to mention you never missed a start during your 14 seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs. So where does this consistency and discipline in your life come from? You know, I I think it started uh, from when I grew up in my hometown of Lawton, Oklahoma. Um, Being a military brat, it really helped that my father was one of those people that was a stickler about, hey, get up early, get ready to work, do what you got to do, that kind of thing. He was a very, you know, military background is where he built us, and he sort of – built us for anything else that sort of came along. And I, I think that's one thing that really helped me grow into uh, being a better player, better athlete, but also uh, better things that you do off the field, too, at the same time, you know, between him and mom. Um, they, they were very strong in, in what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. Yeah. And then you, you carried that into obviously your career in the NFL, but in your daily life too, like what are some of the things that you must do in order to maintain that um, stability and that discipline? You know, there's a lot of little things that you do. And I think it was of course built as a, as a younger person of, um, you know, we have this thing called fear. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think some people use fear in a different way, and, and they try to figure out, okay, is fear a good thing or a bad thing? And I think it all depends on how you react to it. And I think I had the fear of not playing football in high school, and that created a work ethic of, hey, I want to be in the best shape I wanted to be. I wanted to be able to make sure when I stepped on the field that I was the best I wanted to be at that point. And it created that you know, hey, let's make sure that you're ready for whatever opportunity came next. And so there are little things that you did to sort of make up for it. You know, the extra running, the extra lifting, Mm -hmm. um, all the little things that you did on a consistent basis. And I think that sort of created the the mantra of where you tried to go and what you wanted to do. And for me, it was one of those things that sort of built into – okay, what do you do on a daily day? You know, you have to have a goal or accomplishment. You have to have something that you want to do. Uh, you want to be the, the, the person that always had the light on the end of the tunnel of, hey, it could be worse or it could yeah. be this or it yeah. could be that. You always have to be that person that builds something up on a day-to-day basis. And that's sort of where it sort of comes from me, mm-hmm. uh, being able to get something accomplished every day and to be able to move something or some project forward every day. Yeah. Yeah, it is an everyday thing. Do you think that that you put too much expectation on yourself ever? I don't know about expectations, but I think responsibility sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you 
too much responsibility for things you can't control. Um, you know, you used to have this thing, whatever happens, happens, and you live by it and you live through it for a long time. But, you know, you, you set yourself to be the best you could be, then, hey, whatever happens, hopefully it's positive, hopefully it's good. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that it became the other end as you got older, it became more, oh, it's my responsibility to right. do the extra, to work harder than everyone else, to do all those other things. When in all actuality, you know, you can't change everybody's mentality yeah. um, because that, it, and it's not your job to change everybody's mentality either at the same time. You can only show them what you think that should be done and should be accomplished. Yeah. And I, I think that control and fear, at least in my own life, they go hand in hand. Um, I'm the type of person that. Um, will try to do everything in my power to make sure a situation is perfect or to make sure like whatever like outcome comes is exactly what it needs to be in my own head. And then when it's not, that's when I start to think that I that I fail. Um, but like yeah. when you perceivably failed, are you your own worst critic? Most of the time, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's not, you know, but most of the time you are your worst critic um, because you can see the things that, you might have been able to try to fix, mm -hmm. but it still is not your job to fix it. And I think that's part of it. And they even though, oh, I got to own it because it starts with me, then it builds up from there, and everybody else has got to follow suit. And how do I? How do you motivate more? How do you bring people along more? How do you create the atmosphere that you want to have happen? And I think sometimes that sort of alienates yourself because yeah. then every time people look, at you, they think, well. He's judging me. He's, yeah. he's trying to figure out what I'm not doing instead of just happy with what you are doing. Yeah. And, and I think that's also a double-edged sword piece of it that comes down. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel like there was a part of you that wanted to control things on the football field? Like, it was hard for you? Because you were so focused on your job being a guard. Were there things that you wanted other players to do in order to step it up for you to win the game? Of course. I mean, you know, you're only one piece of it, but you feel that, okay, anything in my area I can help with. Yeah. So, you know, can I, can I block my guy and maybe help out with the guy next to me? Mm -hmm. uh, is there a way that I can, you know, get two things accomplished at once? Yeah. Um, so you get all the angles and all the different pieces of, or how do you, you know, what to the point of where, hey, I got to motivate this guy and I need to pull this guy along. But it is to the point of where, hey, during the off season, if you're my right tackle, hey, hang out with me all offseason. Let's work out together. Let's get ready for the next year. Um, and we've been that way since even in high school. You know, they were, you know, some of my best friends, that's what we used to do. Hey, um, I'm coming to pick you up at 8 o'clock every morning. We're going to go work out or whatever that time is. Hey, we're going to go do our second workout at this time. And, you know, you just sort of build that into your mentality of always being there to pull people along or vice versa. They're there to make you feel like, okay, I've got to be there yeah. and responsible. And sometimes you can do that too much mm -hmm. and take too much responsibility, on the other hand, to where um, it becomes more of a burden yeah. than a building of And I think that's part of it. Also, you got to understand that ebb and flow, and that's the hard part. Yeah, it is. Not, like, taking matters into your own hands all the time is the is the best way to approach things like that, of literally just staying in your lane and worrying about your your job. And Bill Belichick says it all the time, just do your job. And I think that's why, I mean, he creates successful 
um, football teams and successful football athletes is because he does say that. It's like just stay in your lane, focus on your job. You can't worry about anybody else on the field besides your task ahead. And I think people can take that into their everyday life and take that into their workplace um, as well. Your first running back was Marcus Allen, who's a great or your first running back to protect, I should say, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs was Marcus Allen, and he is a very good friend of the Write It Down podcast. Um, he was my first guest, um, and he's just super amazing guy. But do you have any stories to recount with uh, Marcus Allen? What's your favorite Marcus Allen story? Well, you know what's awesome is that when you uh, talk about Cuddy and what he could do mm-hmm. is, you know, he was in, they call it the twilight years of his uh of his existence in the NFL when he came to us as a chief. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was unique is that when we ran plays, Marcus would only get so many reps to practice and that's it. But when he took those reps, he would actually run it all the way to the end zone because he know, hey, I'm only going to get X amount of reps, so I might as well get my workout in at the same time. Um, but he was one of those guys that actually taught me the next level of football, yeah. uh, how to study, how everything else. So we would sit in meetings, and uh, he was – I ever had that would come in and sit in the meetings with us yeah. and go through. And he would ask us, you know, I'm a rookie and this is Marcus Allen. You know, he's going, hey, Will, uh, what can you do with this guy? You know, where, where can you take him? What do you feel that he, he, he can do and what do you feel you can do with him? And he was the first person that sort of gave us that lineman power to understand, okay, look, this guy doesn't play this, this play this way. So every time he came in the game, he knew how to set it up. He already knew his cuts of where he had to go because we had walked through it, we had talked through it, and we were on the same page. And and I think that's one thing that was really unique about him is him actually showing us that, yeah, you do have a voice. You know, before, you know, you're sitting to the offensive line coach and you're going, well, you've got to get in front of this guy, you've got to move him, you've got to do this, you got to do that. He goes, no, I want to know what this guy does well and what he doesn't do well. So I already know – where I can actually make him better every time I touch the ball. Yeah. And so that was one of those big pieces that, you know, Marcus sort of instilled in us that you do have a voice. You do have an opportunity to sit in a room together and get on the same page to where that you're all thinking the same thing. You know, hey, I've got this big 90 system this. So as long as I set him where I think I'm going to set him at, Marcus will make it look better. He'll make it fit. And so that was one of those cool things. So him and Joe Montana, that was our two big-name guys when I came in, yeah. actually talked how to be a pro, how to be a professional on and off the field, how to, how to do things on and off the field. And that's what's really unique about having Marcus is being, you know, as I say, my first NFL running back in yeah. experience. Yeah. And speaking of on and off the field, how do you balance chasing a professional career and dream and also home life of building a family and getting married and all those things like how do you balance the two of those you know it's 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 not as difficult as most people would perceive it to be Mm -hmm. especially if the person you're married to understands you're a professional athlete and that you are you know and and the hard thing about it is to be a professional athlete you have to be somewhat selfish mm-hmm. um, because you've got to have your time to go work out. You've got to lift. You've got to run. You've got to, you got to, you're part of that. We call you know, it's that 1% or 2% of people that get the opportunity to play at this level, but then also to excel at this level. Yeah. So the um, person you're married to has to be very unselfish and very understanding 
uh, to deal with it because every time you walk in the limelight, it's, oh, do you know who that is you're with? Do you know this? Do you know that? People are, te- you know, they tell you stories about yourself to your spouse and your spouse was there. And so, you know, they got to be able to understand and be a part of that and understand that it's not only the support system, which is huge, but also the understanding that that, that person you're married to has to sort of be selfish at times and work to get to where they want to be. And they got to be unselfish and understand that, you know, it's okay for you to go and work out extra. It's okay, you know, yeah. and to be able to hold up yeah. family when you're at training camp. Because at one point, you know, we were going to training camp, some guys up to 12 weeks. When yeah. I was there, it was six weeks training camp where I had, you know, two little ones at home. And, you know, the boss lady, she had, you know, she was wrecking shop, making sure the family's taken care of, making sure the kids were in sports, making sure, you know, making all the events and everything else. Um, and, and that's one thing that's really the cool thing about having the right support system and the right person in your life to help you grow. Because if you're growing through this period, it only makes life easier. It makes life better. Absolutely. And, and so speaking of um, the right one, tell me a little bit about it's Senya, right? Your wife's name? Yeah, Senya. Where did you meet yeah. Senya? When did she come into the picture? Well, we met in college. And actually, um, it was my junior, almost sophomore year, junior year, uh, we met, and we've been together ever since. Um, it was one of those things that's unique. She actually used to work for a company called SRI Gallup, an mm. um, exchange program. She's from Denmark, so she was actually went to Denmark, graduated. Well, she came here as an exchange student, went back to Denmark, came back here working for Gallup, and we ended up meeting on campus and uh, basically been together ever since. So... And it's really cool to, to, to understand all the things that I've learned just by being married to uh, to her and herself. Because of the simple fact, you know, she's from Denmark, so she's a Danish citizen. Mm-hmm. So it broadened my horizons to understand, to start looking at things in a bigger worldview and not just be stuck into my little small box here, uh, being a kid that was born in Kansas, raised in Oklahoma, and then sort of get out of the box and understand what the worldview looks like. Um, but it's awesome, and, and we love every. So far, we love every moment. She still deals with me, so that's good. <laughs> she puts up with you. She is your unselfish counterpart, where you've learned to yes. grow with her, and that's that's amazing. And I think it's also amazing that you guys um, started a nonprofit, Willed to Succeed. So tell me a little bit about your charity work. The Will to Succeed basically is a. We started with uh, working with battered and abused women and children in 1993. Oh, wow. Um, we were trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? How do we become a pillar in the Chiefs organization, but also in the Kansas City uh, metro area also? So it was really cool is that I had teammates at that point that actually there was about 16 or 17 guys that all had foundations in the Kansas City area. They were working with different groups. We had one guy that was working with law and how the, how litigation was supposed to work. Uh, we had, of course, Derek Thomas and his, um, you know, um, third down for da- uh, third down um, work and all the things that he was doing. And so I was like, you know what? I've noticed all these guys. The greatest thing about them is that they have pillars in the community. They do what they have to do, and they're supporting where they live. They're supporting part of the group. And, of course, I had this guy in, in college. I don't know if you know him, Coach Tom Osborne, that was sort of the same way. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of 
got us started, you know, doing different things in the community, even in college. Um, but being around these guys and said, what's the coolest thing about it? They all had longevity. They all did, you know, they all did great things in the community. And we wanted to be a part of that. We wanted to build something. So we started the Will to Succeed, and we started with battering abuse, women and children. Uh, we work with about 50 to 60 different groups here in the Kansas City area, as well as my hometown. And, you know, we're always building new programs and new things that helps with, you know, not only just battering and abuse, but, you know, youth programs about, you know, learning literacy. And, mm -hmm. and we work with Reach Out and Read. And we also work with, um, you know, building new programs. And so right now we're currently working on building a, a tech uh, business that actually works with the 501c3, but it's going to fill the gap of, those that are social unrest, how do they how do they get into the tech space? Mm -hmm. How do they build? Um, how do we do it? Because right now there's over a million jobs that are available in the tech space, but we don't have people that have the uh, knowledge to do it yeah. or the training. Yeah. <clears throat> so what we're doing is we're looking for those diamonds in the rough, those that, hey, already have that sort of feel for what the tech industry should be and how it could be but also taking those that didn't see themselves in the tech space and creating tech geniuses out of it. Yeah. And um, so that's the next big thing that we're looking to do is try to fill up those uh, million dollars, those million jobs that are available. We're, lo we're looking to create the talent that can fill all those up. That's amazing. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says Learn More. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Something else that stands out to me about Will to Succeed, your nonprofit, is you said that you started it in 1993, which is the year that you were drafted. Did you start this um, charity before or after you were drafted? Uh, we started it after I was drafted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had, I had a great agent, uh, which is actually uh, Kevin Warren, and he... Uh, and I was like, hey, we want to start a foundation. We want to work in the community. We want to, you know, build something, you know, out of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, well, what is it? What does is, what is the goal look like? What, you know, what is the growth? And so at that point, you know, we were looking at, you know, battering these women and children. And then we expanded it to any of those that are social need of social unrest. So then we actually sort of grew from there. And, um, and, and, you know, my, my wife is very intricate into the part of giving and being a part of the community, but also the part of uh, lifting, lifting those up and supporting mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that was very important for our family to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's just so cool that you, you, you started this before you were even at the pinnacle of your success before you were a hall of famer before like you were the Walter Payton man of the year, like all of these things, um, that you accomplished were, were after that you started this charity. And I think that really just shows your heart and who you are as a person at the core of who you are. Didn't matter if you ever reached 
success, that you were still going to stay true to who you are. Um, speaking of all of your accolades, what was one of the, the most um, amazing moments of, of your life with, with your football career? You know, it's tough. Um, you know, there's so many amazing, amazing, you know, things that I've been a part of and been around. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I just think it's just awesome that I actually had the opportunity um, to play a sport for a living. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is one of the coolest things ever to be able to say that, hey, every day I got a chance to go out and play a, play a game, mm-hmm. to play a game and, and make a living out of it and change the dynamic of, you know, of, of our family and the future of those that are around. And, and to me, that was, to me, is, is the honor within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's something, too, that you'll always be able to look back on and be thankful for the ups and the downs. Because when you are chasing something so big and so grand, in the moment, you're like, what is going on? You'll see, you'll see the highs and the lows. But when you look back, you can go, wow, I never could have imagined or dreamt a better life for myself. Um, and I think that's just like the coolest, the coolest part about looking back on your life. What would people be surprised to know about you? Oh, let's see, surprised. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, some of it is is that maybe, maybe in my youth, it would be more or less the thought pattern of, you know, I, I do like music like crazy. And at one point, I thought of myself as a vocal music guy. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, vocal music and drama and all of that good stuff. I did that all the way through high school, and that's something that might be surprising to people. That is surprising. <laughs> so you you sing, you sing and dance. Yeah. What yes. Are, what... I sing and dance. Wow. And I used to do a little bit of everything. I mean, even down to the point of uh, break dancing and oh. all of that good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I have my 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 share of parachute pants and <laughs> everything no else that way. goes along with it. What was what oh, were yeah. some of the plays that you were in? Um, actually, uh, during the plays, I would do stage production. So uh-huh. we would build the set and do all the uh, the sound and the background. So when there was doorbells and everything else, we control all that from the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in vocal music all the way through. So I was jazz choir, show choir, ensemble, and basically I would every year take a solo to state and try to get that elusive one. Wow. Um, you know, to see if you could take a, you know, take your solo and impress the judges enough to, to, to get that elusive one to say that you did a great job. But, yeah, I mean, I used to love it. it you know, we go on stage, we travel around and do contests as a group. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a blast. I loved it. What? So you had to tell me, what is, like, your go-to song? If someone were to, like, make you sing on command, what would your song be? It changes. Okay. Uh, it changes periodically. It just depends on where I'm at and what we're doing. Um, you know, and they used to make us sing for uh, as rookies, and we actually had a day where we had the challenge, or we had a challenge of rookies to go against uh, the New Orleans Saints. And so, you know, you just pull out whatever you think is the best one that you can at least belt out at that point, so people understood what it was, or you get the one that's Sort of a party favor, so you can get people singing along with you after the first three first three three syllables are out of your mouth. 
Oh my gosh. So funny story is um, I went to the Philippines with Bob Tebow and before dinner he would um, make us sing in order to go stand in line. So he would call on us and make us sing on command. And it was like the middle of the summer, super hot in the Philippines. And he would make us sing like these Christmas songs. So whenever it was my turn to stand up, I just like started to panic and I started to sing joy to the world. And I didn't realize that I didn't know all the verses. And I mean, I would just definitely get in my head about that. So that's I mean, that is a challenge. Who is the if you can remember, who was like the worst um, rookie to sing a song in the locker room? Do you remember? Ooh, worst rookie? I don't know, but I know like we used to have this guy named Milk, and he would sing. We'd pre-practice, and he had this gravelly voice, and it was one of those things that we just loved listening to him sing. Um, but yeah, Milk would be the one that we'd be like, "Hey, Milk, give us a song," and he'd just give us that that motivation. Yeah, we're back in practice, and you know, it was a lot of fun though. So, and that's what you love about it, and you yeah. know, being a part of that team and. Um, learning all the different nuances about each each other is what really made it cool. Yeah. Why did you call him Milk? Was that his name? Like, what was what was that nickname? That, that was his. That was his nickname. I really don't know why his nickname was Milk. <laughs> <laughs> but it stuck. And now you remember how he's saying in the locker room. So. I guess we'll roll right into some rapid fire questions before we get to the write it down. But this is kind of off, off script a little bit, but not really. So if we hang up the phone right now and you're in your car, what song are you going to sing? What's on your playlist? Oh, on my playlist? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right now, right now, the playlist is uh, Rob Bass and DJ EV Rockers right now. So that would be Joy Payne. Okay. Okay. All right. So old school rap is rolling in the car right now. I I love it. I love it. Uh, What would you What would you rather do? Pull weeds or shovel snow? Snow. Snow. Easily. Really. No. Definitely. Because it's cooler. At least you're not sweating outside. No. Um. I. You know, I've got this thing called a snow blade, okay. and I love using that thing. It's like a workout, and it actually sounds <laughs> like I'm the I'm engine of the truck. Yeah. And I get to push it like I push people when I play in, in the NFL. In the and it actually, it roses and throw it almost off of the driveway. So I have a blast. I mean, I do mine, and I'll do the neighbors. Man. Um, yeah. Wow. So if I, I ever move... If I ever move up north, I know who to call. I'm in Florida, so I would say pull weeds because that's all I know. Would you rather read a book or watch a movie? That's a tough one for me because I do both. Mm -hmm. Uh, But right now I have to say probably more movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, everybody in COVID quarantine is like, I'd rather watch movies. We're just accustomed to it now. What is your biggest pet peeve? Um... I guess naysayers okay. is my biggest pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Being around negative people is really rough for me. Yes, same. <laughs> I'm like, don't don't pee on my sunshine. I'm happy. I'm happy. Don't be don't be mad. Exactly. <laughs> um, would you rather uh, spearmint or peppermint flavored gum? Uh, peppermint. Really? I'm a spearmint gal. I feel like peppermint's a little too harsh for me, but. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I, did, I I think I would have pegged you as a spearmint guy. I don't know why, but maybe that was in my head. Yeah. 
We are getting to that point <laughs> of the show where we ask each guest to give the audience something to write down and remember. So, Will Shields, what is your write it down? Okay, my write it down is actually I've com I combined two things in my life that has made a difference and also gave me motivation. Okay. And I put it on my tagline, actually, most of the time when I talk to people. Mm -hmm. And it's day by, day by day, I clear the way. Day by day, I clear the way. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, basically, that every day you, you change somebody's life some way, somehow, and affect it, even if you don't know that you are. Just by sending a text to somebody or talking to somebody on the phone or just, you know, being able to, hey, we had a great conversation and they didn't know that, hey, you made a difference in their life that day. Yeah. So every time you talk to somebody, be mindful that you could be that person that that day you've changed somebody's way of thinking. You've changed somebody's mind. You, you've made their day feel better. I love and, that. Uh, it comes from we had a poem that we said in Nebraska before we – we went on the field and a guy brought it to us from St. Louis. And at the end, it says, you know, it's day by day we get better and better. The, the team we can't, the team that can't be beat won't be beat. And that's the end of the actual prayer itself. And so I morphed that into my high school, which we were loving high with the Wolverines, and we had a thing called Han to Go, which is a stew work for clearing the way. Okay. I quit play. I love that. I, I love also what you said is like you never know how you can change someone else's day. And I, I try to tell myself that of like you never know what hangs in the balance of you being kind to somebody else. You never know what that's going to do for someone else. And also not having any like hidden agenda or motive by being kind to somebody. It's yeah. not what you can gain. It's what you can give to others. And I see that. Uh, threaded throughout your story, Will, of just from your charity to being consistent on the football field, never missing a start, um, just who you are and what you embody is just, it's so evident that day by day you clear the way. So, Will Shield, thank you so much for joining Write It Down. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.